So that's good enough. That's good enough. All right. Hello, Dylan. Hello. What's Welcome. Up? Thank you so much for coming. I mean, I'm... I was like floored when you responded. <laughs> of course, I mean I love doing podcasts. And have you done a lot? Uh, I've done a few. Yeah, I've done a, a, a few podcasts, and they they they're always just so fun because it's like do you listen a conversation. To, do you recording. listen to a lot of podcasts? I listen to a lot of music podcasts, like Song Exploder and The Writer Is. There's a new thing on Spotify called Dissect, where they break down like Kanye West, My Dark Twisted Fantasy, and like and The Pimp of Butterfly. So I listen to those kind of things, and I'm just always like studying the album making process Mm -hmm. oh cool yeah yeah, yeah. i would totally geek out about like film stuff like i was listening to um burt kreischer is that how you say his last name burt kreischer yeah he's a comedian they make jokes and say his last name's like chrysler and stuff but it's not (laughs) he's a comedian and he had the uh, super troopers guys on no way and so i was listening to that and he was asking all those like behind the scenes sort of questions and i was like yes 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 because like Film is like something I'm really passionate about. So yeah, oh, it's the best. Yeah. I mean, and you're general. passionate <laughs> about music because because yeah. you're a musician. Yeah. yeah, it's musician. But uh, I mean, I totally get. I've been uh, I've been in the show hole. I just finished the new Twin Peaks, like the new Showtime Twin I Peaks. I haven't watched that. Um, it took me two tries because like it's 18 episodes and they're each an hour long, and the first five or six are are painfully slow. But like oh yeah, like one like it's one, one of those shows where after those 18, then it's. All of a sudden, now you're like, see, well, suddenly, in suddenly it. you just didn't get enough. I mean, I just, yeah. there was one, there was one point in like episode five, and like someone sweeping up the floor of a bar for like 15 minutes, and you're like, are Am you I... gonna cut the shot? And then, uh. but then at the end, episode eight, so I've just been watching like all these special features of just David Lynch directing. I was just like, the, the stuff that goes into making anything, anything. <laughs> You'll see something, yeah. and it's like a two second clip, and you're like, that was like a million thousand dollars. Yeah, that was like a million dollars. <laughs> you, you had to hire like. You had to hire everyone, makeup, whole team, like, whole set, lighting, a guy to get, locations. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to get food <laughs> I heard, uh, for everybody. It's a whole I heard whole this guy deal. talking about being on set of Spider-Man 2 or something like that. It's a comedian. His name is Joey Diaz, and he was he was in it briefly. He had one scene, right? And Not even a took... scene. He had one line, right? That scene when, like, Spider-Man's, like, pulling the train back or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um... He was saying that he was he had to be on set for two weeks. Two weeks to say one every line. single day, just because he they didn't know when that part was going to come up or when it was going to be able like oh he, they were going to need him and stuff. So he had to be there for that whole time. I love people that are just like their one line the movie. They're just like I improvised that line. You know that was my line. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, sound. just like can I get extra ice in my coffee or something? Yeah, they're just like that. That line was totally scripted. The famous iced coffee line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, so we're off and rolling. Sorry, I had to close that for the echo and just privacy and all that kind of stuff. So do do you have any questions just from the get-go? Because I feel like we kind of threw you into this. (laughs) Any questions about what this is? About, like, who we are, (laughs) any of that? (laughs) Sure, I'd love to know. (laughs) How did you guys meet? Let's start with that. Are you, like, super loud? Me? You're, you're, like, really loud in my ears. No. I'm super low in my ears. Oh, okay. I think your thing is turned up. I turned yours. Oh. Up, down. Is, that's yours right there. Okay, there we go. Sorry. Um, uh, so you had your first album out, and I found, um, what's that song called? Let's Get Started. Yeah. And I don't know if I heard it on the radio or it played at the gym that I worked in or something. Would but have been the gym. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was just like the music video would play, and I was like Crazy. floored about this song. It was so fun, and I immediately like 
looked you up and like did all the research and I think I found you on Twitter and just sent out like a casual tweet of just like you sent this, out the bad signal hey I was just like this song is dope and you responded and at that point I was like living in Virginia just working at a gym doing nothing really like wow. waiting to get over here and you responded and I was like oh my god like <laughs> no way so I like freaked out and then uh then you like followed me because I was a fan. You were probably like, "Yeah, I need more of these." I don't know. Yeah, I need more. Are you one of those guys that like follows people to get followers? No, have I've, you ever I done follow, that? No, I, I follow everyone back that follows me just because oh, okay. I, I just I don't care about numbers. So it's like, oh, okay. I don't care about like the ratio. The other day, this like semi-famous yeah. comedian started following me, and I was like, "No way!" And then I clicked on his thing, and, and then I noticed like, all that all the followers. Well, I noticed that he, um, I clicked on his thing, and he had like twelve hundred followers, right? Or he was following 1,200 people. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And then I, like, went back and I was like, is he still following me or did he make a mistake? And then I looked and he was following, like, 800 people. Oh, And I was like, oh, he's following people to get followers. And then unfollow. You can do that. There's, like, an app or, like, a company. It's so dumb. Yeah. It it doesn't really matter because it's just, like... Yeah, it's weird. There's two sides of it. One is, like, people do look at numbers, so Mm -hmm. they just look at, like, a, a number. But it also doesn't matter if they're just, like whatever like do you mm-hmm. want someone like invested in you like as actual fan like not just like a spam account that just posts, oh like, totally right. weird anime naked photos all day or something like <laughs> yeah just yeah, like 90 yeah. percent of the twitter accounts <laughs> just spam <laughs> just, anime just span span anime spam <laughs> i haven't noticed that. i'm not on twitter enough to know exactly what's out there but so then we started well we didn't start messaging i messaged you and you were kind enough to respond is kind of how it went uh-huh. but i was like i mean that's really cool that twitter can connect people that instantly and you know i automatically had respect for you as an artist and was like well i'm going to uh-huh. be a fan now Thank and you. so i'll just tune into everything he does from now on and that's, yeah, uh, that's why i do it cuz whenever someone does it to me it makes my year you know right exactly even if, it, even if it's like they like it or like thank you it, it's just that is enough mm-hmm. like for me whenever I tweet about like anything favorite so it's like of course why not do that and it doesn't really take that much time no like if you're in the your car phone. just like you know not driving just respond, <laughs> respond to people you know yeah yeah so then uh, well we started this podcast uh, like last month Kind of. We've been doing it, yeah, for about five or six weeks now. Yeah, and yeah. we're going yeah. live at the beginning of next month, June 4th. That's what I keep saying the release mm-hmm. date is. But we're trying to, like, get a bunch of good interviews. We're accumulating good interviews so that and by the time we'll... it comes out, we can just blast it. All right. Yeah, yeah let's do it. So, uh, yeah, so I know a couple other people just from living have been here for, like, two and a half years now. Oh, crazy. And I've, yeah, I've <laughs> yeah, because that's when I'm, when we first talked, I was on the other side of the country. Yeah. Trying to get over here. Have you guys met before today? No. Really? No, I, oh, okay. I played, um, I played Virginia around that time at a place called Jam and Java. That, <gasps> Jam and Java sounds familiar. Where is that? Uh, it's about an hour away from Washington, D.C., I think. Yeah. That's near where I lived, I think. Vienna? Yeah. What is Jam and Java? I've, I it's think I had cool, friends cool who played there. That. I've played there, I played there like twice. Cool. Really cool out there. That's awesome. Wow, I didn't, I didn't even know that. Because I had friends in high school that were like in bands and stuff, and so Jam and Java was kind of in the ether that I had heard about it, but I, I don't think I've ever Is it been a coffee there. shop? It's, it's actually like, there's a little coffee shop in the front, but it, the rest of it's like a, a very nice venue. Mm-hmm. It's very dedicated to music. To music. Great yeah. green room, like which 
to me is always just like I don't care. It's like a perk, if the right? sound sucks and the and the and the sound guys are bad, like I don't care if the green room is good. So, <laughs> Wait, like, what makes a good green room? Like snacks, okay. somewhere to sit, clean, clean. Those are the three musts, and then like a, a cool additions are like if they have like water towels. An extra place to sit. <laughs> For more than just <laughs> more me. than one chair. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's awesome that you. How long have you there. been? First of all, how old are you? Uh, twenty-one. <clears throat> I turned twenty-two in June. Jeez. How long have you been doing this? Since yeah, you started. I put out my first EP in twenty twelve. So, uh, what six years? Yeah. Six years. So you were like fourteen or fifteen? Yeah. Yeah, Holy I was crap, 14 man. and 15 when I made my first, and I self-recorded it, too, and I, I put it up on... How'd you get it out there? I just put it up through TuneCore. Um, I've never even heard of that. Uh, TuneCore is a distributor that will put your music up on iTunes, Spotify, you know, mm-hmm. all, all those, the Amazon, CD Baby, and all that stuff. So when I was 14 and 15, I had these group of five songs, and I, like, recorded in my room, and uh, they, were, they were super fun and, like, super reverby and... And they sound like I'm really proud of it. It's not on the internet anymore because I sort of <clears throat> took it down when I made my net. When I went to go make my first album, I was like, mm-hmm. I want my first album to be like the first thing that's on the internet. Did now someone, I wish it was kind of back on there. But did someone were. like discover you, and or you just went through TuneCord and and got went through? So went through TuneCord on on Morning Stories, which is the EP, and that and that okay. was like. I mean, literally, just like you know, put it up on the fridge, essentially. But like, <laughs> yeah. uh, went and went and made adventures in real time, independently, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Hooked up with a manager through the process of my album, uh, so my my EP, like cycling through like the bottom end of some labels and stuff, and uh, ended up going all the way up to like the VP at Hollywood Records, which would be, which he left his job to manage me. Wow. So, um, from there. I gave I like looked through like my hundred songs I had mm-hmm. and we picked the ten best ones and that became Adventures in Real Time which we did half in my room and then half in uh, the producer John Dragonetti's like guest house like back studio sort of thing and same thing put you know we we shopped at labels but like they just you know being a new artist on a label these days is you know impossible. yeah it's it's weird so, right because it's mostly done just like online it's mo- like these days like label labels kind of want you to be famous already. But yeah. enough about that. But, like, I... Uh, so we sent it to everyone, and they are just like, you know, whatever. We don't really get the vision, whatever. And uh, put it up independently through TuneCore. And let's get started. I remember um, checking a box called Spotify because I hadn't heard of it yet. Like, it was relatively new. Spotify? Yeah. Mm. Okay. At the time. I remember, like, I was in Arizona at the time, sitting on the patio, and I'm talking to my brother. I was like, what is Spotify? And Mark's like, oh, they, <laughs> they have everything on there. I'm like, do they have Paul Simon? They're like, yeah. I'm like, wow, they have everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Did you ever think about getting on SoundCloud and just being one of those artists? No, I just, I'm, I'm late to the SoundCloud game. I, it's weird. I, like, um, maybe I might have just jumped on the, on the Spotify bandwagon at the right exact mm-hmm. time. So the album came out, and and I never checked Spotify because I, I just figured it would be like morning stories where just people would just put it up on the fridge. And I remember two, three weeks later, I was at a Panda Express in Pasadena, and I was like, I'm gonna reluctantly check this, like, because I didn't want to see the numbers because I didn't want to know it was like doing badly. Mm-hmm. And let's get started at eighty thousand plays, <coughs> and I was like, why? And then the next day, it had a hundred thousand, and then it had two hundred thousand, and three, and, and then it just, and then it hit a million, and two million, and three million, and. Uh, basically, it got on all these Spotify playlists. Like, it, this was back when Spotify was not touched by labels at all. It was just run by people who just, like, love music. 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 Yeah. And um, it was it was amazing. It was just the best time of my life. And then we hooked up with Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers reached out after that and wanted to reissue the record. 
So that's the story that's of that first record. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> and now you have a second record. Now we have a second record, yeah. We made it on Warner Brothers. Uh, it's called Almost Real, and it just came out, like, uh, three weeks ago. But we put it, we put this one out independently just from so many people changing over at the label and stuff. Can you and do that once you're already with the label? Well, we left the label. Uh, oh. It was the idea that they they made they had me make this record and, and weren't very interested in promoting it. So um, to the goodness of the label, they gave the record back to me. Oh, that's very was, nice. Which was very nice. <laughs> Thank you. It doesn't nice. always happen, does it? does not always no, happen. People there was get a lot locked of people, up in that kind yeah. of stuff. There was yeah. a lot of people in um, my position that, that don't have the record back. But yeah. it's, uh, yeah, that's just how it is. But, you know, I was super... Uh, label friendly and super nice everyone there and it's you know that that good karma goes a long way I, I i think like and just knowing the people there like they cared about my career so they gave me the record back and, and yeah, yeah. We're just, just you seemed like record. a pretty nice guy yeah you <laughs> seem like a very like spider-man-ish type guy yeah like i share a birthday with toby mcguire oh, oh do you really? yeah you're very, you're very you much more like, like the, the, new the, yeah, the new Spider-Man guy. What's his name? Tom Dude, Holland? Awesome. Spider-Man was Is my... Is yeah. yeah. Superheroes yeah. were my thing. Right? Oh, yeah? I mean, really? it was like the Beatles and comic books. So, oh, you're super no, nerdy sure. then. Super nerdy. That's yeah. awesome. I'm learning... That's offensive. No, I was going <laughs> to say that I'm learning that I'm super nerdy, yeah. and all of the people that I am relating to are super nerdy. Like, yeah. my my cousin was super into com- comic books, and his dad, and they are the funniest people I know. And You know what nerdy means to me? Interesting. It, yeah. yeah. It just means you're into Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Yeah, like, actually have a genuine interest in stuff. Yeah. yeah it means or you're like super art. passionate about something that maybe a lot of people aren't, but I feel like now with that... Now it's na- definitely the norm. Yeah, it's the norm. Because yeah. we just watched um, a Avengers uh, Infinity Wars. Have you seen it? I have not seen it yet. Ugh! Someone in my last really show came, came up to me like during like an album signing. They're like, have you seen it yet? And I was like, no. And they like, got like offended. <laughs> they're like, bye. They're like, I wanted to talk to you about it and ask you questions. Affinity Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we were watching that and I we were, we were discussing like how brilliant Marvel is for taking such fantastic actors and putting them in this super fantasy world because then that just makes the fantasy much more real yeah, and much more awesome for the fans who have read all of these comic books and, you know, want to see this stuff done in a beautiful way and done really well. And just because before... Because it has to be sold. To yeah, the audience. Because yeah. if you don't, because if to you the don't audience, sell it, then... it's just cheesy, and you can check out real quick. Right. Which is why I think for the longest time I thought that I wasn't interested in that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. you saw the, the movies weren't very good in the early two thousands. You just had Spider Man, mm-hmm. but you had like Fantastic Four. Those were terrible. The first of seven reboots of the Hulk. Yeah. Like, yeah. So when they weren't like taking care of the stories, they weren't getting any new fans. Yeah, Ghost Rider mm-hmm. and all the people, the time, dude. Like, you, dude. I loved Ghost Rider until that movie came out. See, Did you that's like what I'm that saying. Movie? They, they have I saw the movie in the stories. theater. And I, I loved it at the time. It's like a, you know, a little kid seeing like Ghost Rider on yeah, the big screen. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it was cool. Like I had all the toys and stuff. But yeah, like, he's I didn't, the coolest looking. Right. I mean, hero, villain, whatever. You know, it's just like anti-hero. Yeah, anti-hero. Was that Nicolas Cage? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The flaming skull. Yeah. Like on a motorcycle. <laughs> what was that? That's my preach. <laughs> That's my Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so classic in Nicolas Cage impression. Anyway, back to back to music. Yeah. Um, what like so before you recorded your first album and got it out there, mm-hmm. you had to have been like ten or younger when you like really got into like playing guitar and like singing, right? Yeah, I started on the drums actually, really no young. I wanted to be my 
I wanted to be like like my brother, and then like Ringo, and then like we had like Travis Barker from Blink One Eighty Two. Hell yeah, it was kind of funny. So I Hell just yeah. like put my cymbal super high up and would always rearrange the drum set and stuff. What age did you start playing drums? So I was really really good by seven. Really? Wow. Which is not like I'm not like your parents didn't give a shit, or did you just have a huge house? Uh, they didn't. They didn't give a shit. It was really? just in the suburbs, and my next door neighbor, who was like my best friend, who was like my same age roughly, was also a drummer. So it was mm-hmm. like, oh, is like the drum. The know, drum street, boys, drum duo, yeah. The drum boys. So, uh, yeah, it's always been a noisy house. But <laughs> I, I say that I was really good by seven because there's a video of me. The very first public performance I ever did was when I was seven. I did the school talent show. Mm-hmm. And I played a drum solo. And it was amazing. And I could say that because the seven-year-old me is a better drum player than I am now because I haven't, like, you haven't kept up. Kept up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Um, it was my life. I practiced every single day. And it was, so you just had an affinity yeah. for music from an totally. early age. So that's what I wanted to do. And then basically, what changed that was I wanted. To, yeah, I did the talent show every year, and then I and then I like started singing. Just mm-hmm. didn't like not even a reason why. And I was like, oh, I want to play a song and sing. And I was like, that sounds really weird if you're just playing drums and and yeah. singing. So uh, I was like, I gotta go to a more melodic instrument, which I tried. My hand to the piano, and and it was a little too like you know set up straight and a little too like conformed for me for me and um it was basically i saw a video of of jimmy page and from led zeppelin and i was like Mm. i want to be that and and i just like got a little les paul like a knockoff les paul and then just like learned learned and learned and learned just got to teach yourself guitar chords book learned that and then piano came along when I saw I saw Ben Folds and I saw Elton John and I was like I want to be those guys and then yeah. I just sat down every single day I learned every Ben Folds song like there was a point where I knew every single one you just got obsessed obsessed yeah yeah, yeah the obsession is what, what kept me going and then so it's like once I learned all those things like I started to be able to learn how to like translate songs through them and then just songwriting just started happening when I moved to Arizona when I was fourteen. Mm. So. Was that you just moved there or your family moved there? My whole family moved there. We, were, we lived in Illinois at the time uh, in a state called Plainfield, which was funny, which was mentioned on the on Colbert's Late Show last night. He was like doing like Plainfield jokes. Which, I mean, could not be. <laughs> it's a more a, random it's city a, It Illinois. could be a more random city, except for the fact that Melissa McCarthy is from there. Ah. But this is like when I was born there, there was nothing. It's just grass and like houses and, and all they did. And Walmart. Was yeah, in a Walmart. It was like the '96 Peanut Festival. That was like what they had there. It was like, oh, wow. You know, it's called Playingfield. And now, yeah. nowadays, it's a, it's a lot, a little bit more booming. Like there's, you know, places and buildings and stuff. But yeah, I grew up in that in that small town. And it was awesome. Like growing up in a small town was really fun. And then moved to Arizona. We, did, I, we didn't know anyone. They my parents just moved strictly because of weather. Really. Wow, <laughs> um, that's bold of them. Yeah, and 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 I just graduated at the time. I was like. Yeah, I don't want it to be cold either. Though. So I <laughs> right, went the to cold Arizona, is not fun. And it was great. And lived in the, lived even in the middle of nowhere, like more in Arizona, it was in Santan <laughs> Valley, like which was a brand new city. Like it was Santan or Satan Valley. I called it Satan Valley. <laughs> I called it Satan Valley because it was so hot. Hot. And yeah, there's yeah. No grass and no trees. Everything's it's just dead. rocks and sp- spiky plants. Ooh. So. Uh, yeah, lived there for four years, and that's and and it was, I feel like it, it was because I was in the middle of nowhere that that's what got me into songwriting because it gave because it was something no distractions, to do. yeah, and and that's and it was something to do and I could focus and like work on myself. So you said you had graduated high school before you moved. Oh, graduated grade school before. Oh, I moved. grade school. So you went to middle school and high school while you're in Arizona. Uh, just started high school when I went to Arizona. I did one year and then at a really nice like prestigious school, which made me a lot smarter. But then I, <laughs> Good. but then I became homeschooled to focus on music. Wow. 
that's awesome that your parents were really supportive of that because I, I wanted to play drums, actually. I started playing guitar when I was, like, 12. And then, um, oh, no, when I was, like, 14. And then um, I really wanted to get into drums, but I wasn't allowed because it was too noisy. Mm. And, like, I felt like even with guitar, like, my mom was supportive of it, but, like, everyone else in my family was just like, can you fucking stop playing that same note over and over and over and over? <laughs> you know? Yeah, Did drums, you ever don't, have drums that? don't change, change pitch, so. <laughs> you gotta get the same one, like, over and over again. Wow. Did you ever have that, like, when you were playing guitar, like, did you use headphones or did you, like, blast it on your I had no regard for other people's ears. No? Okay. I mean, like, my my dad, when we lived in Arizona, like, worked from home, and I would be playing, like, Ben Fold songs and be, like, slamming on the piano, and then I would start writing songs. My dad would always come in, like, I support you 100%, but I I can't breathe. Like, this is (laughs) insane. Um, So it's just kind of funny. Um... But basically, yeah, I was always practicing, always playing out loud. In, in Illinois, we had a basement, so that made it a little nicer. So, mm-hmm. like, you can close the door and you're under the house, essentially, mm-hmm. to just do whatever. And, um, yeah, I learned how to record down there. We had a little four-track, like, uh, tape recorder, and I would record ACDC covers on it. That's nice. So I just, like, on, on each instrument, which is just what taught me how to, like, record now. And put like, stuff together. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. And I wish I would just, I would pay a million dollars for those tapes that just can't find them oh that's the worst yeah i had some um i had a zoom recorder this was like maybe like in 2010 yeah and um i met up i was very into metal when i was younger and i had this friend that was like to this day still one of the best drummers that i've ever seen play wow and when we when him and i first met we like his uncle actually told me about him because i worked with his uncle he's like oh dude my my little uh nephew can like play like Slayer, like all this like crazy metal stuff, and no I'm like, way. and I was like, sure he can, but I was like, I play that stuff on guitar though, and when I met up with him and he like started playing, <coughs> I was like, oh, you weren't kidding, he's fucking amazing, so him and I kind of collaborated for like two or three years, and we just had a little Zoom recorder, and I don't know what the fuck happened to that thing, but oh. I wish I had it. Damn, that's yeah. so interesting to think about how we all sort of played around when we were super young, and now we're like like fully or more realized now with our what we want to do and it's called growth betsy no no but i'm saying like <laughs> I, I i didn't think about doing comedy or podcasting or any of this stuff until mm-hmm. i moved here which was three years ago mm-hmm. so i'm very and even comedy was only like not even six months ago so mm-hmm. i'm very new at what i want to do like i took the time to like love myself and figure out all the other things of life before I was like, yeah. here's what I want to do. So I'm like very set for it. But I I did like me and my sister would always put on plays when we were younger. Really? We would have yeah, all the time. Like our cousins every Christmas would do a play. We did Charlie Brown's Christmas and it was no like way. the best production ever. I mean, for us, because obviously we care. But, like, we would do talent shows where we would do choreography all the time. And, like, me and my friends in my basement one time, we just took the family uh, video recorder Mm -hmm. and did our own little skits and stuff. And I was terrible on camera. I hated <laughs> I hated watching myself. I, ha- I hated hearing myself. I always wanted to sort of be behind it. But that was because I was, like, nervous. And, like, yeah. I wanted to be in front of the camera, but I hated watching myself at totally. the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I think everyone feels that way in some way. Yeah. I mean, the first time I ever heard my voice on that tape recorder, I cried. I was like, I suck this so bad. What yeah. made you keep going yeah. then? Just like you the just fact care that I just keep doing it because I was I was just in the basement. I remember I I specifically remember I, I wanted to record uh, Beatles Love Me Do because I wanted to do mm. both the harmonies 
myself. And it was just so I never really sang before, so it's like here's like a completely you know unpracticed, untrained like voice singing, and it was you know I was like ten, so there was no anything, so I was like, <laughs> and I was just listening, I'm like this sucks, and I I actually don't remember. There's just I just have this weird drive. I mean that's it, that. Is it like when you're really bad at something, and you're like you want to be better at it, and you just well, it's also you have a passion yeah, for it, that so that drives it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> same way. But I remember when I was younger, I kind of I think I I explored the creative process, and then I took a step back for a really long time um, until I got into high school, and then graphic design was sort of my path to back to being a creative person. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I remember I was in my room one time. And I tried to write uh, lyrics. I tried to like write a song one time, and I wrote the lyrics, and then I reread them, and I was like, "This is awful. Yeah. Oh. I'm never doing this again." And I, I just like, although thing. all lyrics read bad mostly. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But I like had a tune and everything. I was like trying to. to well, I was trying to just like do it on the spot and have it be brilliant, thinking that that's how it would just work. It would, if it was meant to be, it would just be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then like I tried poetry and everything, and like I think what it was was I was never being honest. I was never coming from an honest place, which is where art truly grows from, in my opinion. You know, you have to speak honestly, and then therefore it will be art. But I was always trying to be artistic, and then it didn't work. So that's why I was like, I need to, I can't do this right now, or I don't want to because I'm no good at it. (laughs) So it took me a while to come back. How long have you been in L.A.? I'd say four years. I've okay, been, I've been here like since I moved from Arizona, and, and it's great. Like I, I live out in Pasadena. Oh, okay. And it's just beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty beautiful. That's a nice area, isn't it? Nice, yeah. it's mm-hmm. clean. It's like very quiet. <clears throat> like I am all the noise there. Um, it's it, you know it's a little removed from the city, which is nice. But it's, it's LA without minutes. being LA. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take that long. I have a friend that lives it's out like there. 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, right? but it's funny well, like, from here. Like a lot of people when I tell them I live in Pasadena, they act like I'm. It's in, so far like, away. New Hampshire. Like, yeah, <laughs> so dumb. People are. People have a weird sense of it's like it's thirty space. minutes to go to Seven Eleven out here. I mean, it's like thirty minutes to go anywhere. Yeah, pretty it's much. It's thirty yeah. minutes to go anywhere in like any city. <clears> I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you first moved here, though, like what, um, you were already signed or you weren't signed? I was not signed. You weren't signed. So you just had that one, the tune thing? What is that? Tune core. Yeah. Yeah. We just put it up through tune core, which, um, they're just very common. Uh, did you move here before you were 18? Um, yes, because I remember Warner Brothers offered me the contract like a second before I turned 18, which was very smart of them. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I was like, I just I remember being like, oh, that's like really good timing. Like I'm 18, and like it's like I'll be legally bind like to that contract. But yeah, I remember that. So I moved when I was 17. It was great. It was an amazing time. I've always wanted to live in LA. Yeah. Ever since I was, and not because like it's like the land of like rich and famous. I just like always heard like they have great records and their records yeah. are in great condition and the food's amazing and there's like and the weather. Yeah, the weather. Yeah, so all those things and it's just it's um, it's awesome and it, it it is everything that it lived up to mm-hmm. to me. I really love it out here. It's a creative hub, is yeah. what someone called it the other day. It is yeah. a creative hub, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, becoming slowly obsessed with building my network, but in a way that it's not just, like, oh, it's people I know. It's, like, I'm obsessed with people that I meet because I love them as people. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm just, like, I am excited about the family because it, it is a family, the creative family here. 
it's all very supportive. Everybody that I've connected with or everybody that I'm keeping a relationship with because I, I want them to inspire me and I want to inspire them. And it's a very just positive thing. And I feel like people don't think that L.A., like they have a jaded idea of what it is, mm-hmm. but living here and experiencing people here, it's just, uh, it's, it's a beautiful. beautiful, it is, it's so <laughs> dumb. But like I was talking <laughs> to my friend the other day and I was like feeling low because I don't know, I just went through some like emotional thing and he was, he came over and like consoled me and I, and then left and I was like, wow, like I'm so glad I know you. Like I met you when I was here and, you know, you don't really know anybody. And then you start meeting and having these awesome connections with people. And, yeah, I just, I'm very happy. Have you built up a pretty strong network out here already? Yeah, like a good a good ne- like network of, of people, for sure, like musicians and producers. I uh-huh. haven't built really many friendships of people my age. Like, uh, okay. haven't met very... That's what we're here for. Very many, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally. kind of what I want to do. Like, I totally think that networking within your... Uh, workspace is very important but uh i like i'm just starting to build really good friendships here yeah and i've been like i said i've been here the first like year or two it's kind of like you're making friends out of necessity and then you realize okay maybe i'm not so crazy about these people just because i work with them or whatever it may be right uh but i would really like and i feel like i'm a good bringer together of people my family is kind of just like everybody's welcome an open house an open house like (laughs) i facilitate Mm -hmm. relationships between people so like that's awesome yeah so i would just that's what i want ideally it's just for all of my friends to be friends and uh you're just a social butterfly that's me butterfly (laughs) good (laughs) good good speaking there uh i wrote a couple of notes down just like in case we ever I don't know, hit a bump in the conversation or something. And mm-hmm. I don't remember what they are. I'm so pissed. So I wrote your your drummer is your brother in your yes. band. Yes. Oh, no shit. That's awesome. How, how much, uh, are you guys like around the same age or is He's he older? He's eight years older than me. And we have okay. a sister that's eight years older than my brother. So all the kids are like eight years apart. But it wasn't like wow. some weird from the beginning planning thing. It's just my parents seemed to like... You know, eight one years, is enough just, for about eight years. And then it's like, I want another one. Well, it's like, what years. do they get through in eight years? They get through middle school. Okay, now it's yeah. time to have another one. Right, it's like you get a built-in babysitter. Like That's pretty oh, cool, actually. It's not that bad. Uh, it's not that, not that bad. Um, so, like, yeah, like I said, I wanted to be like my brother, like being a drummer when I was when I was little, and, and Mark's eight years older than me, and, and uh, he just never stopped playing, and he just has a passion for drums, and then he became incredible. I mean, because Mark studied, you know, rock, jazz, metal, and then he got super into free jazz when he was in high school, and, and so he just, he just cut his chops on all sort of sides of playing drums, and I mean, re- the drummer he really reminds me of the most is, is John Bonham from Led Zeppelin, which is funny, it's just like bringing it back to Led Zeppelin, but mm-hmm. Mark has a very, he lays down the groove, and he's got power, and that's mm-hmm. really, you that- know, if he hits a snare, it's different than someone else hitting a snare, like, yeah, it's, I know exactly what you mean. That's really totally. interesting to me because I've always, I've some of my favorite bands have the same. It's always the same pattern that the guitar player and the drummer are brothers. Huh, so really? there's yeah, yeah. you oh, may you may or may not know of these bands, but there's a band, um, Pantera, Lamb of God, of um, Gojira, the French metal band. <laughs> um, they every single one of those bands, the guitar player and singer, or one of the the lead guitar player, is brothers with the the drummer. Oh, and I crazy. feel like there's some kind of weird connection there. 
So I find that really That's fascinating. That's good. Maybe I should make some metal music. <laughs> Maybe. You would probably be, probably be suited but, for it. But I feel like that would be, you know, any any band, any type of genre of music, I feel like it would, like, bring that, like, I feel like you guys maybe have, like, some kind of connection that people that totally. aren't brothers built or siblings in chemistry, don't have. Just a yeah. built, like a built-in yeah. locked groove to each yeah, other. Yeah. And it's it's funny. When I, t- when I tell people that my brother's my driver, they you know, look like, do you guys fight? And, and, it, and funny enough, we've ne- I've never fought with them my entire life, even when we were little and I was annoying. Like, <laughs> I like, yeah. never... Just never did. I, yeah. I don't know why. And but we're two completely different people. I mean, I'm, you know, I write like pop and rock music, and 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 Mark's pretty much into like ambient, like avant garde music, and and but that it works so well uh-huh. because it's like we how, just complement each other. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. how did the, how did that happen? Like you were like, can you do the drums for this part? And then it kept growing, or he just always played. We played every day together. Um, mm-hmm. It would be like I go down to the basement, he go down to the basement, and and we'd be like, um, I I from learning like from doing this like I'm obsessed with this person. I'm gonna learn all their songs. I became like sort of a jukebox. So I would just mm-hmm. go down with the guitar and be like, let's play this song. You guys would do covers and stuff. So I mean, yeah. I mean these these days like now and whenever I do shows. That are you know like three hours long and require like super amount of coverage. I don't even need a what? set list. I just you do three hour shows. Oh yeah, I've done really. So I've done for what? How many shows, shows do you like radio you do? stuff? Like, um, let's see. I did a three hour show for a casino that paid for like my entire first tour around here with, and I did it with like bronchitis. No way. <laughs> was it one of the casinos in California? It was in Connecticut actually. Oh okay. I did not um, know they had casinos. Yeah, there's a place called the Wolf Den, which like. Gives a new artist like a shot, which is really oh, cool. cool. Um, yeah, it's the kind of part where you're in Connecticut and you're like, "This Mohegan Sun is the city." <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> God, I mean, on Record Store Day, it was like, what was Record Store Day? Like, what April, is that? T- April twenty first. Record Store Day is when um, local like independent record stores like celebrate like a you know Record Store Day, and a bunch of artists will put out exclusive records on vinyl. Um, so like the Foo Fighters will do a cover of like Band on the Run by the Wings and they'll press like 400 copies on like meat colored vinyl and then it would fill one one record store like one local record store and everything like you don't ever know which one necessarily mm-hmm. like they'll get one in and um, it, it's just a, an event they do it like in April and then they have Black Friday Record Store Day which um, those are like my two favorite days of the year so this this record store day I played um, I played to the line of people at Freak Beat Records um, that lined up before and that played for about an hour and then I went and played a child's 16th birthday party for no an way. hour and a half and then I and then I uh, went to an, an audio store in Pasadena who also had asked me to play like a month earlier and I just say yes to everything and I'm like oh that's dope. all three of these are today oh, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, so I played play there for an hour do you ever go down to Amoeba and just fucking uh, hang out I was for there a few last hours? night yeah <laughs> like two hours yeah yeah, I just, love that store. Just hanging out with my brother, you know, I I didn't find anything. But my brother, it's funny we were like talking about like impulse buys and just like mm-hmm. how, how like money doesn't necessarily matter. Mm-hmm. And he made a really stupid purchase that is like the coolest thing ever, which is <laughs> uh, calling it back to Twin Peaks. He bought a, a soundtrack of Twin Peaks signed by David Lynch on the wall. Just because he spent like his entire month's paycheck on it. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> he got home. He's like, this is the coolest thing ever, but it's the stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> It'll come back. I love buying stuff It'll like come that. back in a yeah. positive way, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I totally believe. Totally. That's that. Yeah. That's like cool. I like, uh, I like thinking about you and your brother hanging out in the basement and just jamming because, uh, yeah, sibling relationships are powerful if you are on the same wavelength. Like me and my sister in comedy 
are completely on the same thing. We have the, the same best. sense of humor. Everything that we connect with is something that's making us laugh, which is just laughter is also powerful. So putting those two things together, I wish my sister was a little more open open to, yeah. I don't know. I mean, she's always like, get me on the podcast or let me, she always <laughs> wants to help, but she doesn't ever want to be like in the forefront of anything. Mm. Uh, is there anyone in your life that's always like, can I like be your manager or like try to get their fingers in or something like that? Yeah. I mean, when I first moved to LA, like friends are definitely like, hey, working up the, like working up the connections, like definitely the people you meet at the beginning are, are a, a little less like credible mm-hmm. and more reachy. Like I, I had signed some sort of like some shady contracts in my life just from getting up the ladder and, mm-hmm. and luckily, like, none of those were binding because I wasn't 18 and they were, you know, just done wrong. But, like, yeah. that sort of thing. You have to be careful with that because I mean, a lot of people do sign binding contracts when they're, you know. Dude, luckily, I made yeah. those mistakes before you I was 18, 18 and with people that, like, didn't realize that, you know, it con- would go contracts away. are real. Or, you know, like, it would get. Yeah. How do um, you, you, a second ago, you were just saying that you did, like, multiple shows in one day. How do you keep your voice from, like, turning to shit, basically? Well, I... Because I was at a concert two nights ago for an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah. And, like, I wasn't even, like, yelling or anything. But I was just, like, kind of singing along. And then when I left, my voice was, like, gone. It was dead. Yeah. Um, well, I think one part of it is since I've been doing it since I was, like, seven, it's, like, working out. It's oh, like okay. A, it's, like, your voice is a muscle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I warm up before shows. I definitely, I didn't know. So, like, I had the same problem mm-hmm. when I uh, was first touring. I was My voice was dead, like. And, and it just felt like I played one show at Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles and I felt like my voice was going to bleed. So I was Ooh. like, I'm going to take one vocal lesson and really learn how to sing. So, um, just I one, was, just, just the one. You've only I had was, one vocal lesson. Yeah. I was very worried that <laughs> That's super impressive, but I was very worried that it was going to like ruin my voice. That's why I was hesitant. Cause I didn't oh. want to go like, you thought the lesson let's get started. You're like, let's get started. Like I didn't <laughs> want that. Um, so I went to this like sort of like opera singer coach who's unbelievable and just guys the magic key to life. He was like Bjork's vocal coach, which is the only reason I went there. And and uh-huh. uh, Corey Taylor's from Slipknot. So I was like, if the he, chick. Wait, his name's Ron Anderson. Oh, it's a him. Yeah. There was a there was a woman. There was a video that like because for a long time I wanted to be a frontman for a metal band, yeah. and so I like you have to like learn to scream and stuff. So there was this there was this video that a lot of like Corey Taylor and there's like a few other bands. Um, that like they would always say, watch this DVD, The Zen of Screaming or something like that, and it was done by this woman. I forgot her name, but right, I thought that's who you were talking about for a second. Oh I was like, yeah, no um, I, I found I found him through my manager, and I just <laughs> saw you worked on a few people, and it, and he really helped. Um, basically, as long as you eat exactly two hours before you go on stage, nothing mm-hmm. dairy, and warm up exactly one hour before you go on stage, and the, the warm ups are just things like. <laughs> Literally warming the muscle. Like warming up. Like, you don't have to go, like, and I, before you go on. Like, because that's what I used to think. I was like, oh, I got to hit my highest note to see if I can hit it. But, like, totally no. Just, like, literally just, you know, clear the path for your voice to, like, Mm -hmm. go through before you go on. Yeah, it's like, it is very, like, warming up for an athletic event. You just get your body warm Mm -hmm. so your muscles aren't shocked when something crazy happens. When you're on stage and you're singing, like, a a high note or, like, something that you feel, like, in your gut, you know, like, in your feelings and stuff, like, do you ever, like, get the chills, like, as you're singing? I get chills in the slower songs that are quieter, like, the ones that have a lot more, like, meaning. Okay. Especially when the room, like, has, like, a haze to it and I feel like people are connecting. I've definitely gotten moments where I've gotten, like, those sort of chills or, or, like, 
which is crazy to get chills from like a song you wrote because it, I mean, mm-hmm. for me like it doesn't happen too often but um when i'm on stage yeah there's certain songs there's the last song on the new record is my favorite song i've ever written and when i when i play it live it's just like it feels like the world is slow motion mm-hmm. and this came out three weeks ago you said yeah this came out um probably four weeks ago at this point okay so Dude, yeah. that's awesome. I'm going to have to check this stuff out now. Yeah, the, al- <laughs> the album's called Almost Real. Um, and it's just my, my second record and the best thing I've ever done. So, yeah. That's awesome. And I like that you're doing it independently. I think yeah. I was just thinking, um, listening to the comedians and stuff and how they're all putting out their own content on the internet. And Bert was saying, or the Super Troopers guys, I think, were saying, they were like, uh, how do you promote this thing if, like, a big company isn't attached to it, whatever, whatever. And Bert was like, yeah, well, I was going to go to this woman or this company to, like, promote. And they were like, oh, we can get you on a late night show. And he's like, I can do that myself. Or they're like, we can get you on Rogan. He's like, I can just fucking text the guy. Like, (laughs) what are you guys helping me out with if I have better connections than you do? Well, that's the same, yeah. That's the same exact thing I had just from working out here and and from some people, like, liking my music and playing a bunch of events. I met, like, some YouTubers, which led me to more YouTubers. Yeah, I saw that you've done... That's That was, like, a a circuit that you did. Yeah, totally. And I'm still working with them. I'm producing an EP for a big YouTuber right now. Is that Gabby or is that somebody else? It's not not Gabby, although me and Gabby are actually getting together Thursday to film stuff. Nice. Yeah. But um, it's just been that because they they all just love the music and they just Mm want to, like, help promote it because they know I'm independent and they're just great people. And they just want to make shit. Yeah, they just want to make shit. And yeah, it's just yeah. funny, like, when I was on a major label, like, the day my first single dropped, I was expecting, like, publicity because they have a publicity department. Like, zero. I got an email that said, hey, can you email Shane? <laughs> and she, like, Shane Dawson and stuff. I was like, what? They wanted you to do it? Yeah, I was like, <clears throat> I'm fucked. <laughs> so, yeah, because they don't have the same, like, it's so, like business professional emails and yeah. I was actually thinking about this I was like emails are like becoming extinct almost like yeah you sent me an email the other day and I'm like why'd she email me why didn't she just text well, I don't me? know sometimes <laughs> when I'm on my computer it's easier oh, okay but yeah. like people only used to email because that was the only mode of communication for the longest time and then yeah. now I can just send things on I can like what is it? They say that you can like close business deals in like a je- jeans and a t-shirt in LA because you can. You just like hang out with a friend and make a big deal, and you're just like, yep. everything's done on the computer. That's why I had asked about SoundCloud because I feel like, and I'm I literally just got into SoundCloud like with Noah. Oh really? Yeah, he. I mean, there's we another, had there's another Noah Yessa is a uh, he's a up and coming recording artist. I met him through improv, and we had him on no the way. podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What were you no, saying? he's um, he's really cool though, and. Um, it seems like, it seems like SoundCloud's more for like hip hop or like rappers, like Post Malone's type stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe so that's just who uses SoundCloud. Uses it more. That's why I had asked about it. Oh yeah, I do put my, I do put it up on SoundCloud. Oh okay, cool. I never know. Like, what, it's just the same thing. I just put it up and I just don't know what will happen with it. It's up there though. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I feel like a lot of it is like remixes, um, covers. There's a lot of EDM on there and stuff. Yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff, a lot of sampling kind of things. Like I found um, copyright free, royalty free music there that you can use in like videos and stuff. So I've gone oh. there for that. For Would sure. you label yourself as any certain genre? Um, I call it pop rock. Yeah. When people ask, because it, it, um, 
because it's like positive, but you're also playing guitar and drums. Like, yeah, I'm playing guitar yeah. and drums, and when you see the show live, it definitely has a rock energy, like yeah. a rock feel for what's sure. What's yeah? What's the vibe of like a show? Like, it, do you have like a lights thing that you do? Is it, no, it's you talk super, to the crowd? Super. Uh, oh, I talked. I talked to the crowd a lot. Mm-hmm. Just over time. I was very bad at talking to the crowd at the beginning. I would just say like very stupid you should be things, like, Hi. Very, very awkward, and <laughs> but um, that always that kills me because like, and not that you have to like be super confident and, and talkative, but when I do see artists that you could tell they're scared to talk to the audience, it, it does kind of kill the mood in between songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love that I talk to the audience a lot. I get very involved. Get I get the audience involved a lot mm-hmm. because yeah, you, you the leave energy. the show feeling like way better that yeah. you were interacted with. Um, yeah, it's got a lot of energy. My brother plays drums. We got a bass player. We got a keyboard player. I play guitar and keyboard in the show. Um, nuts. We don't play the tracks because I hate that. Mm. I hate like in the background. Yeah, I hate seeing a band and there's just like music in the background. It's like why? Because yeah. and be, because one hundred percent of the time it could be made by someone in the band and also and also it never sounds any different because when you if you know the song and you're seeing the band live and all that. All the music from the speakers is just filling your ears, anyways, and it's to the brim. You can't even hear the extra stuff. And now, mm-hmm. not Absolutely. to mention, you don't want like a Milli Vanilli sort of situation where it's like where your song it's is off. Off. Yeah, that'd be terrible. That's horrible. I mean, yeah. Ugh. And I, I feel like people that. don't under. I didn't even realize that was a thing that bands did because you think you're seeing a live band, you think you're hearing live music. Yeah. Well, you, you also do a, track, a lot of rock bands do that though, or. I think I have a friend who's in a synth band and they play to a sort of a track. Mm. Lots of people have like one or two things on a track, but um, mm. I yeah, I just I just think it's just so much better to see it made live. And also, Absolutely. Al- yeah. also, I don't I don't like seeing like the album verbatim live. I like True. a little improvisation, dude. Yeah, I totally which is agree. a big part of it like yeah. i don't want to see like a band like play guitar hero essentially with their songs yeah like, yeah cool we nailed it it's on just like the record and I, I i like bands that sound just like the record but bands that could just take it like the extra step and just blow yeah. your mind yeah you don't want it to sound not like the record in like a terrible way you want it to not you want it to be the record but better yeah is ideal for a live show that's what people will come back for totally when i, when I saw sufjan stevens he played the hollywood bowl and his last record, the Carrie and Lowell, is like one of my favorite records like, ever. But um, it's very quiet and then whispery. It's recorded on an iPhone on acoustic guitar. Oh, he shit. played the Hollywood Bowl and it was like lights and Epic. pyro and the songs had like eight oh eights under it. I mean, completely redid things. And and I mean, Pitchfork rank called it like uh, had like a artist mm-hmm. uh, or like a fan vote in for like best live show and it was Sufjan number one. But that's because people saw that they're like, man, I have to go see him live because it's a different experience. And mm-hmm. like, I feel like you aren't as, you know, happy to go see a band again, like, if you just saw them just play the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the best live bands I ever saw um, is Lucas Graham. No way, really? Yeah, he's yes. on Warner Brothers. Yeah, so he, I mean, it's it's a band, though. Like, it's totally. similar to you. Like, they have, they got a drummer, they got a keyboard player, there's a bass player, and he's just singing, right? Yeah. But, like, their their music on, you know, the album, it's good, and it sounds a certain way. And then you see him live, and it's like, oh, that's why they're very popular now and that's why they're like very talented people you can tell that they're very talented at like creating music yeah you know what i mean totally it just sounds just a little bit different but you can tell that it's real so many times i i I get a band from seeing it live yeah (laughs) it's just it does yeah yeah yeah. if you hear yeah i understand that completely also like ed sheeran type stuff where you just it's just him and the loop pedal are you a fan of ed sheeran or is he like i remember like um 
like when the Plin Plus came out, I was I <clears throat> wasn't necessarily getting it, and everyone told me like you gotta see the live show. You yeah, gotta yeah. see those like or like his underground shows from before this record. Like yeah. he will get you to leave the room loving him. And oh, I absolutely. That. I watched that stuff and I was like, okay. Wow. His live show is probably the only reason why he's is who he is, right? Yeah, his radio hits are, like, okay. I really wasn't a big fan of the ones they put out for this last album. Really? Yeah. Like, Shape of You, I was like, I don't give a fuck about this song. I'm so <laughs> but bored. But when he plays that song live, it Oh, but, kills. like, yeah. um, my favorite song that he played, we saw him at a venue where it's, like, you can sit, but then there's, like, a big lawn, and it's, like, an amphitheater kind wow. of thing. So we were sitting on the lawn, and he's playing um, Bloodstream, which is a song he just builds up from bottom to top. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, it's just, like, him and his guitar, and he's just, like, jamming out to this song with so many levels that he just built in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like... Oh my god! Just do this for twenty minutes straight, and I will <laughs> love you. Like it was incredible. It was so the fact show. that you play shows that can be three hours long now, I'm no, you want to go I see him. To come see you guys. <laughs> yeah, always, oh, yeah. always playing in LA. Yeah. Oh yeah. What yeah. do you have a show How? in the future? Right now, I don't have a show. Up? I played the Terragram Ballroom uh, about three weeks ago, and that was really awesome. How favorite, often? Favorite green room actually in LA. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you play shows out here? Um, I'd say I play a show about every two months out here. Oh, okay. Like, do you, do you go play other places? Do you go on tour at all? Um, went on tour a lot when I was on Warner Brothers. Definitely when I had like that backing. Yeah. Working on an independent, like, self-funded tour for this summer mm-hmm. that like is across the country that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah. I'm, I'm just excited to get back on the road. I, that's really what I want to do. I'm. In, I have like three modes: like writing mode, recording mode, touring. and touring mode. And it's like I've been writing in recording mode for like a very long time. And I want to get in touring mode again. You're kind yeah. of in the ether right now, though. You're it's like in between the in between the, in the waiting and, period. Although whenever I'm on tour, like I'm immediately like oh, I get wish sick, I was and I'm like, oh god, I just want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, you when ride? you tour, it's just like you in a car. You don't have like a big bus or nope, just us in a us in a car. Yeah. In I'm, a like, van. I'm sleeping like uh, right side up. So. <laughs> Um, I feel like that's yeah. that's got to be fun though, right? It like, is the, fun roughing it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. I feel like because you feel like you're doing something. Mm-hmm. You're on a road trip. It's yeah. got a cool, fun feeling. It's an adventure. It. Yeah, I like. I mean, like the the Beatles and they were in like Hamburg playing strip clubs before they were big. I mean, they they, they slept on each other, like on top of each other in the back <laughs> of the van. And I always heard the stories, and I was just like, okay, I have it pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have my own seat. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Yeah, I got a seat, so. <laughs> have you ever had anything stolen from you on tour, though? Have not. But, really? Um, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, I'm very paranoid about that, but I always, yeah. I never take anything too expensive. I never take any guitars that are irreplaceable, and yeah. I always keep an eye on the stuff. How many guitars do you have? Oh, gosh. Do you have a collection? Yeah, I have a collection because my mom and dad own a mom and pop music store oh, in, in Illinois. That's awesome. That is and that's dope. also where everyone gets the bug from and where I got all the practicing time in. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think I got about like 10 guitars probably. Oh, okay. Just like a good, like one. I pretty much got a guitar for every sound, you know. I got like a Strat, a Telecaster, yeah. Jazzmaster, Gibson uh, E35, E35 and, or E33. I remember. What was the first guitar you really wanted, but it was like out of reach? I wanted I wanted a really nice Les Paul to be like Jimmy yeah. Page. But first guitar I ever wanted was a Gibson SG. Oh, those are the best. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I ended up so I ended up getting like an Epi Gibby, and then I got yeah. uh, and then I got a black Gibson SG. Did you? Or no, no, I got a black Epiphone SG because oh, okay. I wanted to be 
Tommy Iommi and Angus Young. I was like, they, mm-hmm. they got one. Mm-hmm. So. Hell yeah. Same. Yeah. That's that dope. Was, that was sort of the vibe. So I played those sort of, like, you know, beater guitars and, and then got some nicer ones, like, later over time. And yeah. Now I'm very picky. Like, I'm very... Before, oh, yeah. but, like, my only criteria is how does it look and what's the color before. Before, and, and now and you're now, like... Now I'm like, what's the tone? It's got to be a whole body. Is it light? Is it... You know... Because, like, yeah. I, I somehow have back problems when I play guitar for too long, like, when oh, they're yeah. heavy. Totally. And and it's just, like, now I, now I, like, really like guitars with, like, really light feel on the strings. That's not great. And, and you know, mm-hmm. if it looks awesome, that's, that's an added it's bonus. It's a plus, but it doesn't matter that much? Not, not, not too much these days. I mean, yeah. Do you like Jackson's at all? I, I... It's funny. I wanted a Jackson when I wanted to be Randy Rhodes. Yeah. I, I, I wanted just go that, through these phases of wanting same, to be different artists. I, I wanted it. that same yeah. guitar, too. The the V, the half V, or whatever the half, it was. The half V with yeah. the polka dots. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. My life, is, my life growing up was just phases of who I want to be. And it's still like I feel still the like same that. way with actors yeah. and comedians where, like, I'll get, especially comedians now, I get inspired by their the way that they tell their jokes. And I'm like, mm. maybe I could do it like that. Or I could do it like, <laughs> like, I'll go through, like, a John Mulaney phase. And, like, he's I, very quippy. Is it weird? I got a mental connection that you were about to say John Mulaney. Really? But, yeah. Who's my favorite comedian, too. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. Is he really? I you love haven't watched him, him or? No, yeah. I love John oh, Mulaney. Oh, okay, good. And I yeah. was like, where have you been? Amazing stand Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. he's one of the ones that me and my sister, like I said, anytime me and my sister connect on, like. You just throw out some John Mulaney references? She'll, she said the other, like, this was, like, two years ago. She just said. I'll allow it out of nowhere. And I was like, I know exactly where that's from. It's like such a specific John Mulaney thing that I tuned in immediately. Anybody else would have no idea what the fuck we were talking about. I love relationships and friendships that are based solely on talking inside jokes and reference. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. I have have friendships that are based on on literally just OG SpongeBob references. Oh, dude. We're all about that here. We are all about that here. Hell yeah. Oh my God. Cries you a sweater of tears and you (laughs) kill (laughs) him. My brother's my brother's nickname is literally Dirty Dan. My really? brother's name is Daniel, and we call him Dirty Dan. Yes. I didn't know that. That's <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. I'm Dirty Dan. No, I'm, I'm Dirty, Dirty Dan. Dan. Yeah. Which one of y'all is Dirty Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Just rips Patrick's head off of his body. When I when you go back and you watch those episodes, I mean, it's written They're for so funny. I, the, Dude, yeah. Stuff I never picked. There's like an episode of Band Geeks. And I remember when Spongebob was giving, like, the, the talk, to the pep talk to everyone about Squidward. He's like, Squidward was always there for us when it was most convenient for him. <laughs> <laughs> and I never noticed that, like, until I went back and watched it. Yeah, that was, show was definitely ahead of its time, comedy-wise. And I feel like our generation was, of our people... Our generation totally it, um, recognized how funny it was. Mm-hmm. And right. That's why... For, like, kids and adults. Yeah. yeah. Like, another show so, I loved was Animaniacs. I felt like... Oh, I show yeah, yeah, yeah. Super intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, uh, yeah, all the all the comedy and stuff, it was super intelligent back in the day that you could watch it whether you were here or there. Mm-hmm. And now they just dumbed it down so far that nobody's really enjoying it. I mean, it. like, Animaniacs would have, like, Igmar Berman references and, like... It, Who is that? I don't it's know. It's, like, an like a insane, like, art house director. Oh, okay. <laughs> um... Something that we don't even know. No. See, it's so elevated. Um, yeah, just create like unbelievable stuff that they would like have like and and just jokes you'd never pick up on like when you're nine, right? Yeah. Nine, yeah. or just like like really dirty jokes you that are, are 
that would even like because the, the thing is like they would have to still have to give the script at the end of the day to the supervisors but like if it's not you know if it could be taken in a certain way but it doesn't read that way on paper then it would just make it like mm-hmm. yeah there were so many things that went over my head as a kid but you didn't have a, any reference point for it so it didn't matter it wasn't really registering on that dirty level or whatever you know inappropriate thing you might have taken it as but for the parents who have all the references are like that's clever. My kid is so lost. This is awesome. You know? Mm-hmm. That's why my mom could sit and watch stuff with us, even. She she enjoyed it, you know? Mm-hmm. She didn't like the stuff that was dumb. She was like, why are you watching this? This isn't even... I'm not enjoying it, so you shouldn't either. Right. You know? Because <laughs> yeah. it's just dumbing you down. Anyway. Well, yeah, Enough no. about her. Yeah. No, that's like my favorite thing to talk about is... That's um, why I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm excited that all those people that grew up realizing how brilliant things like Spongebob were yeah. are now in the creative seat where they get to make shit and... A lot of people are, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. also that we have the freedom now to do it independently and put it out there on the internet. Um, and The world is changing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. It is exciting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, really so, quick, you mentioned you oh. mentioned Guitar Hero earlier. Yeah. Did you play Guitar Hero? Of course I played Guitar Hero. It was my expert? obsession, expert mode. I don't think okay, I've did ever, you ever played, played on Expert. Did you ever play the, like, the um, never got hyper to, like, speed? No, I never got no? to the Through the Fire and Flames, like, Raining Blood level Guitar Hero. No? Did oh, you? Man, that was better than you at Guitar Hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you, know, was, you know what it was that? for me? It was... Uh, wasn't necessarily the buttons, although I kind of have sausage fingers, so like it is the buttons a little bit. But it was just that the upstrokes and downstrokes. You had yeah. to have the right one, though. You had to have that. Uh, you had no, to have you the, didn't go up and down. Explorer. You just didn't. You just go no, down. You, you had to go, go up and down. Oh yeah. Maybe that's why I wasn't expert, very good. When you got to expert, hell yeah, yeah. Oh, you had to down. go. Okay. Oh yeah. I just did down. It was weird because I'm so like rhythmically placed, and when you're doing that on guitar here, like the the little it's like, different clap back from the thing is a little off time. So I had to. So I had to actually use headphones when I played that, so I didn't hear that. Yeah. And when I used headphones, it gets off time. A little like. So when Clap I back from the little uh, yeah, it's off time. Head, what you put call headphones head. on yeah. and that the strumming button. The yeah, the strumming button. Yeah, yeah. I put headphones on and I couldn't hear that click anymore. And then I could just hear the music. And then I could like play. So I started playing guitar when I was like twelve, right? Stopped for a little bit, didn't care about it. And then when Guitar Hero came out, I was like 15 or 16 or something like uh. that. And that's what made me get back into it because I was a fucking wizard at Guitar Hero. And um, with my with my gradu- high school graduation money. I graduated high school and went and bought, I got like 500 bucks. I went and bought like a cheap Ibanez and a Line 6 amp and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to learn guitar. And I taught myself guitar in like, That's so awesome. in like maybe a month or something like yeah. that. But I, I still to this day completely give all of the credit to Guitar Hero because mm-hmm. if I wasn't that good at Guitar Hero, I feel like, because when I picked up a guitar for the first time again, like the, the, the finger movement was just, there was no restriction because I was so good at Guitar Hero. So when I started learning the real guitar, it just translated so fluidly. Nuts. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah, it really does have like an influence. It's oh yeah, but yeah. I was saying there's like that um, with Guitar Hero too. There was that white um, oh, like, that Gibson Explorer. Explorer one. That's the one I had. That's the one that I killed it on. If I used any other guitar, I sucked. Really? Yeah. It's funny you mention that because I feel like now, like so, like subconsciously, in my stage moves, like I do, like on choruses a lot. I do go like up here with the guitar. Like I think <laughs> it is like star power mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just wail. That's fucking sick. That's yeah. a Fadoom, everything turns blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then you hit that yeah, wail yeah. button to get the yeah. extra points. That's yeah, awesome. your long points. ones. <laughs> 
I took the, I, t- I take the whammy bars off my guitar because it's too tempting. I'm just gonna like abuse it. Just fuck it. <laughs> like I'm not in my bloody Valentine. I'm not gonna like. <laughs> That's whammy awesome. Bars. That's anyway, awesome. Um, we should wrap this thing up. We've done about an hour, so. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Um, is there anything, I mean, your album's out, so you can plug that, but like... What's your album called one more time? My album's called Almost Real. Um, the lead single is called I Want It Like That, which... Uh, which pretty, is great. I've listened to it. I, I love it's it. It's a song about my wildest fantasies uh, about what would happen, like, you know, if my craziest dreams came true, like uh, hanging out with Grimes or at the time when I wrote it, Kanye West being president, <laughs> uh, which is funny. And... Uh, yeah, just sort of like my ultimate daydream fantasy. We just filmed the music video for it about two weeks ago. Oh, yay. We're going to be dropping the music video like probably around the end of the month. Dope. So I'm pretty yeah. excited. Oh, wait, Dope. before we go, um, Crunchwrap Supreme. Is that a song that's on the record or was that just for... It's not on the record. That's it's on your YouTube. That I wrote. I was in a YouTube uh, video with Shane Dawson. Oh. And, and people that know me know like I have the ability to write a song in like six seconds. And Shane's like, you can write a song in six seconds on camera. You put the camera up. He's like, quick, write me a song of Crunch Rap Supreme. And I was like, I didn't even have time to think. I just like started singing it. And then it became like the most important thing I've done on the internet. <laughs> well, I was like, I'm obsessed with this because I love the food and the song was really good right. to go along love, with you it. You both love Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I yeah. love Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> looking for that sponsorship. But, like, yeah. uh, I mean, I, they're not that, they're pretty good at their We're actually uh, sponsored by the McGriddle. No, we're no not. way. No, we're not. We're not sponsored by anything, but we are looking. We are open to it. <laughs> Just by the McGriddle. <laughs> I, I, Just. I uh, so everyone kept asking me to do a full version of the song since I only played like a chorus and it had gibberish lyrics. But I like, um, I was like, really oh, sat for, down and did I was it. like, yeah, for like a little, you know, way to get publicity, get like some people to pay attention to the album. I'll do a full version of Country of Supreme. So I actually like recorded it full out and. Put it up, you know, two weeks before the before the record came out. That's hilarious. It's beautiful. It's I love it so much. Request it all the time. What's your uh, What's your Instagram? Uh, so at everything, I'm just at Dylan Gardner. Cool. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, and Snapchat, website DylanGardner.com, all that, all that stuff. And, awesome. And uh, almost real is out on Spotify and on Apple Music, and uh, we pressed very uh, limited run of vinyl. There's only about three hundred left. So, yeah. That's sick. That's awesome. I'm uh, sort of getting into, after she brought over this chest that we're going to show you in a second, I think I'm going to start collecting. be getting into vinyl soon. We need to yeah. get a player. Hell yeah, we do. For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so much. for you uh, having a seat, Dylan. Uh, this is the Have a Seat Podcast with Anthony Pacheco and, and Betsy Hayes. And you can find us on YouTube and iTunes and all the other places where you can find Everywhere podcasts. Else. Yeah. All right. Thank we you. are out.